everybody. I'm Kelly Ellers. I'm Jeffrey Lennon. This is Volume Up by The Tees. So did you know, and I don't know if you caught this, but it was media day for the NBA and Jimmy Butler was there to shake it up. Did you see the new look? I mean, I don't know if you were on the internet, how you could avoid seeing this new look. Uh, it was incredible. Uh, obviously, he's in his emo era and I'm here for it. Like All of the feels. Unexpected. But it was also unexpected to his hairstylist, Florence Lawrence, headed to South Beach, knowing that Jimmy was contemplating a look. Florence is a Philadelphia-based hairstylist who works with a wide range of clients around the country, but she's noted saying that none of them have tastes quite like the Miami Heat superstar, (laughs) as noted in said look. (laughs) Last year, it was dreadlocks that extended past his shoulders. This year... She styled a curtain bang paired with a trio of lip rings, an eyebrow piercing, and a very emo-heavy black nail polish. So it was a look. But what I'm most intrigued by and happy for is that Florence was able to get some cred, a write-up in GQ, about her perspective on the hairstyle. So let's elevate those pros that are doing the stuff behind the scenes, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, shout out to her for making this happen. Uh I don't know that I'd want this to be like the look that I'm known for, Yeah, but I'm excited that they got to, you know, flex their artistry and do something totally unexpected because I I don't think anybody saw this coming. Yeah. Full interview, as I mentioned on GQ.com. And she's like the night before we used shampoo conditioner, took 45 minutes to an hour. We straightened it with flat irons. Um, You know, it was really simplistic and, you know, we added in the little touch with the piercings. And so. And is that eyeshadow? You know, it looks like. It does look like. I mean, there's a lot of commitment here. Like, shout out to the team. Well executed. Way to make the pops and the media go wild. Jimmy Butler. All right, let's get into it. On our last episode, we talked with Kelsey Garofalo. Kelsey is the co-founder of Art KG, an entrepreneur and hair artist. She and her husband, James, combined their passion and vision to give birth to Art KG, a hair care line designed with a singular mission to unleash the inner artist residing in each of us. Their debut product, which features a unique cleansing serum that serves as both a shampoo and a concentrated scalp oil, paves the way for future innovation in the beauty and hair space. Way to go. Make sure you subscribe, rate and review and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and TikTok at Read the Tease and send in questions to volume up at thetease.com. This week, we're talking with Ruben Carranza. Ruben is currently the group CEO and member of the board of directors for three hair companies, Amica, Eva NYC and Ethique. With an extensive and impressive career in the beauty industry, Ruben started his career with Procter & Gamble, where he spent 24 years of increasing responsibilities across varied business units and geographies, working with brands like Pantene, Olay, CoverGirl, Clairol, and Wella. He was then named the North America CEO for Wella Professionals. After his work there, he worked with other iconic brands outside of P&G, such as Arnco, Orbe Haircare, Becca Cosmetics, Pulp Riot Haircolor, Olaplex, and now Amica, even NYC, and Ethique. Talk about some heavy hitters, right? I mean, those are incredible names. And speaking of incredible names, uh, a little bit of a left turn. Both of us are fans of pop culture, obviously, as are all of our listeners. And there's some big news that's coming out of RuPaul's Drag Race, uh, which is what, Kelly? So RuPaul's Drag Race winner, Sasha Colby, is releasing a hair extension ponytail collab with salon extensions and we're talking her first drop will be a 28 inch ponytail in 10 colors affordably at 99 dollars each of which i feel like you would need a lot of colors i mean i don't know would you like to see me in a 28 inch ponytail i would love to i mean honest to god i don't think i've ever seen you with your hair fully back but like fully back snatched with the 28 eight inch long pony would be the dream you've got chills can we make this happen no (laughs) (laughs) i think this is so cool i i mean i can also be channeling my ariana grande maybe which i have zero of but you know maybe a girl can dream i mean absolutely i think what's so interesting is that i mean we we talked about this off pod the more expected route to go is that there's a beauty sort of cosmetics collab. I mean, obviously we've seen huge popularity from like 
Trixie Mattel and others. Hair is something that people haven't really tapped into, which is also like equally, if not more important to these looks when they're winning. So, I mean, this is so exciting to see. I mean, let's just talk about Sasha without the 28-inch ponytail. The look is not the same. So hair is equally, if not more, important. That's my soapbox. There you go. Anyway. <laughs> let's get into it. Let's let's buy those ponies, shall we all? All right. Well, let's talk about things that are trending on our site. Our editorial team has been hard at work this week on covering industry news, looking into trends, and diving into brands that you don't know but should. And here are some of the favorites that we've got from this week. First up... October Tech Touch-Ups. Say that five times fast. <laughs> Say what you will about it starting in September. No one, no one can deny that October is officially the start of spooky season. Mm. And as such, we have some spooky good tech touch-ups for you. Inspired by the internet world and adapted for the beauty space, check out our monthly tech touch-ups. Designed for stylists, makeup artists, estheticians, massage therapists, nail techs, and anyone in the beauty industry, we created mobile phone backgrounds to infuse a bit of fun and beauty and newness into your routine. Download them now on thetease.com. So what are you downloading? What do we got? What's the pick? Well, I love a spooky season. And, you know, I just am in love and love with the ghost, with the faux rollers in underneath the old school dryer, because my mom actually had those dryers in her salon. And I've sat under those for many hours of my life. So it just brings back a bit of nostalgia for me. Classic, classic, plus the ghost. I mean, it's just, it's all of the things. Love to see it. That's my pick too. Um, But yeah, if you don't know already, we've got monthly drops. You can even go back in time if you don't want something that is fall appropriate. But like, you know, who are you? (laughs) All right, next up, the PBA dropped new merch for beauty pros to support industry initiatives. The Professional Beauty Association, or PBA, whose mission is to advocate and fight for the rights and professionalism of the beauty industry, has just launched a new line of merch. The curated styles, which include tote bags, dad hats, sweatshirts, sweatpants, and travel mugs, are designed with beauty pros in mind, and 100% of proceeds support initiatives critical to the industry. The new merch is not only on trend, but also supports PBA's efforts to address issues that matter most to beauty professionals. 100% of these proceeds go toward fighting against deregulation of licenses, elevating the need for more textured hair education, and supporting license portability through the Interstate Cosmetology Compact. Head to thetees.com to learn more about this merch and to see what the purchases are actually supporting. So the question, I mean, there's a lot of merch, lots of it. Are you more of a sweatshirt gal or a tote bag gal? Like, what do you have more merch? Yeah, I'm a sweatshirt gal for sure. Okay. And the best part is, is that, you know, let's support the Professional Beauty Association. They are the ones that are propping up our industry, fighting for our industry from a regulatory and governmental perspective and doing amazing things. So let's get after this merch. Let's support them and, you know, support that swag right Sport that swag i love it get after that merch everybody <laughs> head to the tease.com see what we're talking about uh and last but not least this is big news uh, especially as we're sort of winding down the year cosmoprof's color the world 2023 is coming back and here's what to expect if you've been looking for career changing advice on how to elevate your coloring services you'll certainly find it at cosmoprof's upcoming color the world 2023 Taking place on October 22nd, just around the corner, this virtual hair color and care summit is a must-attend event for any stylist hoping to sharpen their skills and boost their knowledge on all things color. With a special focus on color trends, this year's summit is designed to provide stylists with the knowledge and inspiration that they need to excel. Thanks to a host of new classes and offerings, stylists will have the chance to learn the latest trends and color techniques, along with business management and promotion tips from some of the best educators in the industry. Not to mention, many of the biggest brands in hair, like Paul Mitchell, Wella, Schwarzkopf, Joyco, Matrix, Moroccan Oil, Sexy Hair, Weedad, Olaplex, and more will be taking part in the festivities. Plus, celebrity hairstylist and color wow creative director Chris Appleton is set to return as a special guest for the second year in a row. Head to thetees.com to learn what else you can expect from this year's event. Loving this for Cosmoprof. Big brands, big personalities. Chris Appleton is back. What are your thoughts? back. I love it. I, I feel like I'm yet to see him live in person and I would definitely welcome the opportunity, but I'm also excited that we're going to talk a little bit more about color in the next couple of weeks with Cosmoprof. I mean, their offerings are a plenty. So kind of exciting to see a bunch of brands collab together 
for our pros. Yeah, love that. Um, and I will just say, I have met Chris Appleton in person, and he's much taller, much taller than I think I was expecting. <laughs> and there's that. As always, so much going on at Tease.com. Thank you to our hardworking editors. We are proud to publish stories that salon pros and consumers care about. Next up, my interview with friend, colleague, and someone I greatly admire, Ruben Carranza. Ruben Carranza is currently the group's CEO and member of the board of directors for three hair companies, Amica, Eva NYC, and Athik. Ruben started his career with Procter & Gamble, where he spent 24 years of increasing responsibilities across varied business units and geographies working with brands like Pantene, Olay, CoverGirl, Clairol, and Wella. He was then named the North American CEO for Wella Professionals. There, he led the restructuring of the businesses into an integrated organization of over 600 employees. Side note, that's when we met too. In 2014, Ruben became a partner in Luxury Brand Partners and led the creation launch and scale up of R&Co, the first luxury hair brand launched by LBP. After the expansion of the brand across 14 countries and after the sale of three iconic brands from LBP, Orbe Hair Care, Becca Cosmetics, and Pulverite Hair Color, Ruben left the operational management team of LBP. In 2018, Ruben was appointed the president of Olaplex by the founders and led the implementation of infrastructure to support growth. He led the launch of Olaplex in Sephora, where it became the number one hair care brand in three months. After doubling the business in 12 months, Ruben co-led the management sales pitches, enabling the acquisition of the brand from the founders. In August of 2019, Ruben joined Unilever Prestige as the CEO of Kate Somerville Skin Health Experts. In July of 2022, Ruben was named CEO of Amica, Eva NYC, and Athik. Today on the podcast, we have the one, the only, the oh-so-lovely and wonderful Ruben Carranza, the group CEO and member of the board of directors for three incredible companies, Amica, Eva NYC, and Athik. Welcome, Ruben, to the pod. Hi, Kelly. I'm so excited and humbled by your invitation. You bet. Well, it's a long time coming. You you're at the top of our list for a while. So here we are. You've got a lot to talk about, but we want to get started talking about all things Ruben. So tell us a little bit about your background. How did you get started in the professional beauty industry? Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm the son of a hairdresser uh, and the nephew and cousin and second cousin of hairdressers. Um, so, you know, kind of started very early in my career being in salons and helping my mom in, uh, in her salon, but officially on the professional side with P&G. About 18 years into my career with P&G, I was working on the beauty side of the business and P&G acquired the Wella company. Mm -hmm. And um, after a couple of years, I was asked um, to, to kind of move to the professional side of the business, primarily because nobody else really knew anything about that professional uh, business. Um, and uh, I became the North American general manager and then the North American CEO and spent the last eight years of my career on the professional side. Um, and that's really when I got my first real dip um, as a business person on the professional side of our industry. That's amazing. I think we met back in those P&G early days and yeah. you were the fearless leader that went out to Woodland Hills and took those programs under your belt and did some incredible things with them. So congratulations on all of that work. All right. So tell us, um, you know, as we met back in the P&G days, I mean, tell us about your career progression from there and the different companies you've been at and certainly landed at these top three brands overseeing them now. Absolutely. You know, I, um, I, I knew pretty early, probably about my 20 year mark with P&G, I knew that I had no interest in being in any of the other businesses. I was kind of a beauty boy. Okay. I loved um, the beauty business. And so I was very fortunate to be able to spend those last eight years at P&G on the Wella side of the business. Uh, and then I made a career choice, right? I knew that um, I was seeing so much unmet demand uh, coming from hairdressers and the clients in their chair that the big companies just couldn't deliver against. Um, so I said, you know what, I'm going to become an entrepreneur. So I joined Luxury Brand Partners um, just as they were being created. They had a, they had launched Orbe Hair Care, and we had partnered with Orbe Hair Care with Wella Color, and um, so I, I joined the the LVP team as one of the partners to launch Arinco, the first brand in that portfolio, 
Uh, and what really drew me to that was, you know, the, the opportunity to, to take a brand that was at concept, initially kind of creating what the look and the feel was going to be, but really driven by three iconic hairdressers, right, who had very different careers and perspectives. Um, Garen, who is the king of hair, the godfather of hair, Tom Priano, who really has been amazing with men, uh, men's hairdressing, but also does incredible women's hairdressing. And then Howard McLaren, who, you know, really spent over 30 years at Bumble and Bumble. And we had a lot of fun. And I will tell you, it was absolutely completely different than the 24 years I had just spent in a corporate environment. Yeah. I mean, this literally was, you have a budget, you have a timeline to get to profitability. Mm -hmm. And every Friday was literally, can we pay the payroll? And so you learn different muscles, right? You do different things. Um, not a lot of people are successful to do that transition, but um, we, I was so excited and so proud of what we've done with R&Co. And R&Co is still mm-hmm. flourishing and you know, um, and doing great things and then the business. After the sale of Orbe Haircare with Luxury Brand Partners, I really stepped away from the operational side of the business and thought I was going to do some consulting. That lasted about three months. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a call from Dean and Darcy Crystal, who had founded Olaplex. Yep. And uh, they said, listen, we need someone who understands big company scale, but isn't a suit, right? Um, And we've got Sephora that wants to take the brand on. We're in, you know, the uh, beauty on the fly. We have no idea how to do that. You know, would you be willing to come in and do that? So I did. I joined uh, Olaplex, no office, 32 people, you know, and really kind of started that process. They had been, the sales had been flat for about two years. And so... We doubled the business in a little under 12 months, um, hired a really talented uh, individual, Michael Pierce, who's now with a skincare brand, Glow Recipe, and uh, who knows who's Mr. Sephora. And, you know, we really created that that market for Sephora, became the number one hair brand in three months at Sephora. Wow. Uh, and really kind of accelerated and cleaned up some of the international distribution um, got time for Dean and Darcy to, that kind of made a decision they wanted to sell. So myself and Tiffany Walden kind of led that process. And then, uh, I exited right before the, the brand sold, yeah. uh, and really thought, you know what? I really want to go into skincare. And so this opportunity in clinical skincare happened with uh, Kate Somerville under the, uh, Unilever prestige banner. Yeah. And so, um, I joined, uh, Kate Somerville. Uh, and what I loved about it was it was, a new category, but it was also a business that had at its core, a spa, a Medispa. So uh, our iconic Medispa in, in, on Melrose Place in West Hollywood, mm-hmm. um, you know, I probably spent at least two or three days out of the month at the clinic because you're literally seeing nurses and estheticians working on patients and hearing what's happening and what the trends are and what the, uh, you know, the challenges are. And COVID hit, so really leading a service-based business and a clinical-based brand during the height of COVID was also one of those once-in-a-lifetime opportunities. Um, and we did amazing. We grew the business 60% over the course of, um, of of COVID. Wow. As China started to change the registration requirements for domestic um, production, right? So they they dropped having to do animal testing, but it was a just a, a maze of requirements we were very proud to be the first company in the industry to get a license uh, to produce in China. Um, and it was right about that time that I got a phone call about this opportunity that was happening with um, Amica. And so it was about to be sold. Uh, when I started R&Co, um, it was right about the same time that Amica started. So I remember going to trade shows and you know we weren't in distribution with R&Co and watching this incredibly colorful, inclusive brand right yeah and i was like that's very consistent with what we're doing with disruptive packaging etc so they've always been kissing cousins um <laughs> but it was really an incredible opportunity to get back in skincare and really to do it with a private equity partner that was really wanting to create some some breakthroughs and um support the businesses and of course i knew chelsea yeah who's the global president i knew shineer so it really felt like a coming home yeah that's amazing. Those are some pretty incredible milestones. I mean, for your time at PNG, taking over the Salon Pro, moving into Olaplex, which was like a total firebrand, right? In the market. Well, you, you, you and your team made it so. I didn't realize that sales were flat for that many years because it came out the gate. Right. 
consumer wise, it just, boom, and there it was. It was right. everywhere. I mean, what a category to innovate and with you at the helm, yep. then over into skincare and now at Amika. I mean, what in the world could possibly be next? I'm sure the Amika team says, nothing, stay here forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, Kelly, what's, what was in, what was really um, drawing me to the opportunity was a couple of things. One, I knew some of the individuals in the brands, right? So that's always kind of a helpful thing. Yeah. And I knew the culture and I knew the philosophy and, and it was very aligned with my own personal uh, philosophies and culture. Okay. Um, the private equity team, I knew a few of those folks, um, oh, wow. but their philosophy around, we want operators who are going to lead the businesses and we are there to enable and support. Uh, and that's really how it's played out. That's great. Because I've had other conversations with that and worked with a few other PE groups that have a slightly different hands-on approach. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think the biggest thing for me was the philosophy behind how we were how we're growing these businesses was really centered around brand presidents that own the business. Okay. And so I've never been in a role where I had someone who was a brand president for the three brands in individual brands. And my job was to do the strategic piece, mm. making sure supply chain, making sure contract manufacturers, enabling, you know, doubling down on the strategy and pushing on the strategy. And once we lock on the strategy, making sure that the teams have the, the requirements and the resources to win. So that is a very different dynamic. And it's been mm. so exciting to be able to do that. And candidly, it's allowed me to leverage the 30 years of experiences I've had uh, in a very pointed way. That's incredible. I was just talking the other day with Brandon Hutchins um, with Beauty Industry Group and similar model, right? Where they've got this conglomerate of brands, but each of those brand leaders are sort of running those businesses. And it's a really cool entrepreneurial-esque, corporate-esque model, right? Very unique and different. Right. Amazing. Okay. So now we're going to move on to kind of your position and leadership in the industry. What have you seen that's happened in the industry in the last 10 years? How has it changed? You know, it's been it's been um, a huge evolution. Um, when I started with Wella, um, I think you still had there was a lot that was transpiring in terms of how products were getting to hairdressers yeah. and how hairdressers were working in the market. Right. So at that time in twenty in two thousand and six, I'm going to sound like a like a dinosaur. No, I'm there with you. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it was really you graduated from beauty school and you went into a commission based salon mm -hmm. and you worked your way up from an assistant to behind the chair. Product was typically sourced from distribution um, that was that was really driven by salon consultants who were coming in and selling you the products. And you had the occasional brand that was doing direct distribution to the salons, right? Yep. Um, and the products that were in the salons, salon owners were very adamant that if it's being sold anywhere other than the salon, we're not going to take it, mm -hmm. right? And if you juxtapose what has happened from that point to today, you have, you know, the predominant channel now, if you graduate from beauty school, is you're, you're probably working independently, um, or moving into these booth um, environments, right? So the need for training, education, mentorship goes, has just accelerated, but that whole model has been disrupted and the pandemic accelerated some of that, that disruption. You also have had brands now that are playing in multiple channels. And so now it's been, and it's been interesting, if a product is professional and it's take-home professional mm -hmm. and it's trending on TikTok and you have people coming into the salons going, oh my God, I just saw this. Do you have it? Yeah. It's a completely different model now, right? And I think, um, I think for the better because it's consumer-based, right? So I think services will always continue to be the dominant revenue source for salons and for hairdressers and um, but I think how those products compensate and add to, I think, has really evolved. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, as also as a leader in the industry, what are some things that you hope to see change in the future? You took us back 10 years, take us forward the next 10. Like, where are we going? What What are Ruben's predictions? <laughs> well, um, predictions are difficult. So I'm going to tell you Ruben's hopes. Hopes. I like hopes. Okay. One of the biggest hopes and I think focuses that we all need to rally around is licensure, right? Yeah. I think we need to continue to have licensed professionals 
because that training is critical. And it may not necessarily always be on the creative elements of the hairdressing profession, but the sanitation, the the professionalism related to being a licensed professional is critical. So I think the conversations about let's do away with licensing that some of the state legislatures are doing, I think is is ridiculous. Okay. You wouldn't want your doctor just to decide one morning, oh, I'm going to be a surgeon and show up and do what they're going to do. Right. Right. Um, But why would you want someone who may be putting chemicals on your hair, not have the proper training to understand the sanitation and the protocols and the safety and all of those elements. Okay. So that's one piece that is critical. The second thing is we've got to get our act together in the U S around how we do reciprocity of licensing. If I'm getting trained in Texas and now I got to move, I have to move to California or I need to move to New York, we should have reciprocity and we should have the ability to have license migration, right? Right. Um, Right now we make it too difficult. Every state has to have their own little point of view and I think it's it's an unfair um, barrier for professionals in our, in our business. Um, so that's the that's one of the second pieces that I think is important. Okay. The third is I think we our industry. Um, Steve Reese and I had a conversation about this as we were trying to fight for licensing uh, reciprocity, and he made a comment to me that I still tell him was really m- mind blowing. Fifty percent of every American is touched by a licensed professional on a daily basis, Ooh. and if you think about that hairdressers, makeup artists, barbers, massage therapists, nail technicians, et cetera, are all licensed professionals in our industry. Um, Not even the medical profession has that much of hands-on physical contact. And then when you start to think about the size of our industry, Mm -hmm. we are the biggest service-based industry in the U.S. And we don't leverage that scale to ensure that we have the proper taxing benefits like restaurants get mm. that we don't have the right level of support and um and legislative support right because we are the american dream we are where you can create a career that can take you anywhere you want to go um, or can be incredibly incredibly rich being behind the chair working on on clients right so i think it's that idea of how do we elevate our industry how do we elevate the profession so that we're continuing to kind of get the attention and the support that that the industry deserves. Yeah, well stated. I mean, one of our soapboxes that we stand on here is, you know, we want everyone from your guidance counselor to your grandfather to know that this is a viable, successful, opportunistic profession, right? And so we want to elevate the licensed pros across all of those different market segments because we have a peak inside the industry, right? I always thought, probably you always thought as well, that this was one of the best professions to have because we grew up in a salon, right? Correct. We grew up with our our moms, you know, making people feel beautiful literally every day of our lives. And so it's so interesting that, you know, we want to shout that from the rooftops as well. Correct. Are there any organizations that you feel are are helping with this that we should rally behind? our listeners should? Absolutely. I mean, I think there's two that that come immediately to mind on the on the legislative front and on kind of the, the sequencing piece of it. The Professional Beauty Association yeah. is the biggest industry association. And it, it, it under its big umbrella, you have individual hairdressers or licensed professionals. You have distributors, professional distributors. You have salons and that are all focused around advocacy for the industry and the profession. I think on changing the consumer perception around what a career as a licensed professional could be and can be, it's Beauty Changes Lives. Mm-hmm. I was one of the original members working on with Beauty Changes Lives. And I think their mission is very straightforward, yeah. right? It's um, changing the perception of careers in the beauty industry as licensed professionals. Mm-hmm. And I think that's powerful. And I think we have to be doing that. Yeah, great point. To follow both of those organizations, Beauty Changes Lives, I know you've done some incredible work with them as well over your years uh, in the industry. Let's talk a little bit about some other things that you've done to give back to the industry. Sure. You know, share with me some of the other things you're involved with, um, What where you feel the industry really needs to garner some additional support. Yeah, absolutely. So when we started um, the Beauty Changes Lives, um, partnering with Linnell Lynch, right? one of the first things that we wanted to do was we wanted to make the barriers to entry for individuals who 
you know, may want to go to beauty school and get a license, but couldn't afford to do it. Um, we wanted to ease that. So at the time being with PNG, we were able to get a, a $1.5 million endowment I mean. from Wella to kick off beauty scholarships for individuals. And that has continued to kind of grow. I like to say that um, every company I've been with, yeah. immediately we figure out a way to participate. We created scholarships uh, for students who wanted to become estheticians through Kate Somerville. Okay. And uh, our work with Amika is also, we're doing scholarships uh, to Beauty Changes Lives. So that's been kind of a consistent theme, right? Okay. What I've been really excited about is one of the things that Amika has always had as a part of its core DNA is giving back. Yeah. Um, when Shyanir um, and uh, Avita and Chelsea um, way back really started to partner with um, with a lot of industry associations, but they were always focused around how do we help have people have access yeah. and how do we give back? There was an organization called Hair to Stay, which um, really brings hair cooling technology, scalp cooling technologies that allows uh, people who are going through cancer treatments to retain more of their hair. Um, and so we started working with that organization you know, many years ago. We're now up to over a million dollars in donations um, to Hair to Stay. Wow. And we've been able to rally some of the other individuals, uh, companies in the organization to support it. You know, we do a, a limited edition soul food mask where the proceeds go to um, Hair to Stay. But, you know, we're giving back in that way. Um, but this year, we also launched kind of the next phase of what we're doing. And so we've launched our Beauty Changes Lives scholarships, um, and they're really focused on, we call it our Friends to Hair scholarships. Okay. Uh, and it's really focused on enabling BIPOC and LGBTQ individuals who are wanting to get into the beauty industry to have scholarships to get in. Cool. But we also launched in partnership with an organization called SoGal, um, we launched a mentorship program for hair care founders. And what we've done is uh, we launched the program in June. We went through you know, the uh, assessment process, but we've just selected six female founders that each received a $25,000 grant from us. Okay. And we are part of a um, six-month cohort where we're doing a whole series of things from mentorships. Uh, Chelsea and I just did a round, um, a fireside chat with these folks. And these are all women founders okay. are in early stages of their businesses in the professional business. And so it was everything from, I have to hire a supply chain person. What do I think about to, yeah. I've got a strategic decision I have to make around distribution, right? Um, we're going to be sponsoring them and taking them to beauty events. Okay. We're going to pair them with some of the experts in our own organization. But it's this idea of creating the next waves of uh, founders who may not have the access to some of the supports. Yeah. And we want to be there shoulder to shoulder, helping grow the entrepreneurial element of uh, brand founders. That's amazing. Was this your brainchild? I wish I could say it was. No, <laughs> I helped influence a bit of how we, we we created it, but it was really Chelsea and um, and our DEI um, director Gian and uh, our chief of staff Amika um, Aniga, okay. who really kind of had this idea of like we really need to be investing in the future. Yeah, that's incredible. I love it. All right, now we're going to shift a little bit more into the Amika side, right? So this year, Amika became B Corp certified, the first hair care brand at Sephora. What does this mean for the company? Walk us through that. Oh my gosh. So sustainability and um, ESG, as it's known in the industry, is one of the, what I love about our brands and what I love about the PE group is it's not lip service. Yeah. The brands have to have at their core an ESG kind of philosophy. It has to be embedded in the mission and vision, and it has to be part of the DNA. So Amika and Eva NYC have always had that. But how does the consumer really know, right? Like there's, you know, Leaping Bunny certification and stuff like that. And Sephora has their clean at Sephora and Target has Target Zero and Ulta has Conscious Beauty, but there's no real standard. Yeah. And we viewed on an ESG front, B Corp was really that standard. And B Corp is for the, it, it's not for the faint of heart because it's five categories that you're, that you have to qualify under. And each of those categories have a number of elements to it. And right. And it's everything from your sustainability and sourcing and net carbon zero footprinting, which you would expect to things like, um, governance, right? So, um, what's your pay structure for your employees? Wow. What is 
the distribution of profits and of revenue across your employee base? Are you doing fair trade in your sourcing? Can you verify that in your supply chain, you're not sourcing ingredients from hotspots? Like it is in depth. Okay. And not everybody gets qualified. Yeah. So for us to do the work was really, really powerful. Um, We have an ESG director. She's five years out of college. She's passionate and incredibly brilliant. Um, And so, you know, it was a whole, it was an entire company strategy behind it. But I'm really proud to say that all three of the brands under my leadership are all B Corp. That's incredible. And we are proud of it. With Amica, it was really tough to be B Corp uh, in the professional uh, environment. But uh, yeah, we're really proud of it. Wow. Um, how how long did it take that process? Because it seems quite in-depth and quite um, complicated, as noted. <laughs> it can typically take anywhere from a year to two years. Okay. What helped us was, you know, we have Jamie, our ESG director. Yep. The work had started you know, even before the brands um, were acquired, once the acquisition happened, we were about to submit. And because of the acquisition and the, the change of control, oh. we had to start from zero. Wow. So we literally had to qualify under each of the brands. Um, but for us, it took us about, in as we restarted the certification, about six months. Okay. Wow. So that seems pretty, pretty quick, those six months, right? Pretty intense. Quick. It's because <laughs> we had everything already in order. Okay. That's amazing. So with the makeup and the three brands really kind of raising the bar, what do you hope other hair care brands or pro brands will do to get there too? Yeah. I mean, listen, one of the things that I adore about the beauty industry is that it really is a small community. Yeah. And what I love is we can, you know, we brands can be incredibly fierce in their competitive nature but we are incredibly giving in terms of collaboration and coming together. And so I think 10 years ago, what was very difficult pioneering work around sustainability and um, PCR and carbon neutral and all of those elements, today there's been so much that has has grown and increased, right? And you have leaders like Davinus and leaders like Aveda who've always been kind of driving that. Um, I put Amika and Eva and Atik in that camp. There are more of us now who are on that trajectory um, and scalable. And so the barriers to entry and the bar- the barriers to creating action are, are continuing to become more democratized. Okay. And I think that's a great opportunity to be able to say, okay, this is core. This needs to be important for me. I'm like, by the way, the consumers are demanding that mm-hmm. it's time for me to make the plan. And we kind of live by a mantra in, in our businesses. Um, and Jamie talks this too, is for us, we talk about progress versus perfection. Okay. And I think the barrier for many of the CEOs and founders that I talk to is when you start to talk about ESG and sustainability, they think about perfection and they think about, oh my God, I can never, how will I get started? And I, I can't do that. Yeah. And it's really just progress versus perfection. I love that. That's great. All right. Shifting some gears. You've got a little, you've got a little program coming up called Camp Amica. Yeah. And in talking with Chelsea a couple of months ago, I thought, oh, that's a camp I could get behind. I'm not a camper, but <laughs> this sounds great. Can you tell us about Camp Amica and kind of that brainchild and where you're headed with the event? Yeah, absolutely. So I think um, one of the things that we were continuing to to kind of brainstorm around as as Amica was we know that you know the professional part of our business has been growing at twenty times the category rate. Whoa! We are on fire with professionals, yeah. and and it's because I think people see themselves in the brand. Yeah, they have products that are working for them. But when we looked at how are we, we're feeding a lot of fuel with professionals, but and we had done a lot for distributors, like you know, and salons. Uh, our loyalty program is called Friends with Benefits. Yeah. And so we really enhanced our loyalty program so that we can continue to help on the business side. But we asked ourselves some difficult questions. Are we creating experiences and are we speaking to the heart of our hairdressers? And I think what we found was we don't have enough experiences that we're creating for hairdressers with hairdressers. And that was kind of the impetus behind Camp Amica. So, um, you know, this is our first four-way progress versus perfection. Yep. We're going to see it continue to evolve, um, but it's really an opportunity to, for for us to bring hairdressers together 
have them um, spend a few days in an environment that's outside of what they do and really kind of focus around mind, wellness, and inspiration. And we're going to be introducing uh, those hairdressers to some of the newest creative leads for the brand that are going to be bringing um, craft inspiration and technical inspiration. And then there's going to be a lot of community building. And that's really at the heart of it. Yeah, that's incredible. It looks like such a, a, a wellness and beautiful place to have a little bit of a retreat and grow and learn. And it certainly has been amazing to see the brand grow. You, I mean, you mentioned that it's growing on the professional side 20 times the average rate. I do too remember back at America's Beauty Show when they rolled up with that display and you're like, ooh, I've had it on my shelves ever since, right? So it's incredible to see the brand growth, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what I love about it is that we're not doing anything wonky. You know, we're not doing dip discounts. We're not doing crazy stuff. What we're doing is we're just staying very focused around bringing great products, yep. great education, and, and, and bringing people under our tent, right? Um, and I think that's what's made Amika powerful all along. Yeah, no doubt. You've also had a pretty big year across your social platforms and with influencers and have done an incredible job at all of the consumer facing pop up events, as you mentioned. So we see we see you, we hear you, we feel you everywhere. Thank you. Um, What do you think also contributes to that success from a social perspective? Well, I will tell you, I think what we have been is incredibly focused around kind of our upper funnel communications and how we talk about Amika and how we talk about Amika to consumer as well as professional. And, um, you know, one of the, one of the pieces that we identified when we asked, so we asked ourselves a lot of hard questions. And um, one of the things we talked about was, you know, the shampoo and conditioner segment is about 60% of the business in general. Right. And when we looked at, you know, we have some incredible products in our shampoo and conditioners, Mm -hmm. but when we looked at it and said, okay, does the average salon hairdresser understand what a cure does versus a hydro rush? Mm -hmm. When we kind of asked ourselves the question, we were like, probably not. And and so we started looking at that and we said, you know what, we really need to have a campaign that allows us to talk about shampoos and conditioners and in a way, so our let's get clinical clinical right clinical campaign uh-huh. was really that was the impetus behind that and i'll tell you that has been incredibly fun because it's allowed us to not only create the messaging and kind of the discussion but it's allowed on the social front it's allowed a lot of user generated content to start to get created um it's allowed us to be consistent in how we're talking about some of these things but it's also allowed discovery yeah um so you know on our own direct to consumer site we're seeing about um, a third of consumers who've never tried us come and they repurchase within 12 months, which is pretty outstanding. Oh, yeah. We're seeing a lot of repeat. We're seeing people, um, market baskets expand. And we're hearing that from our hairdresser partners and salon partners. And we're also hearing it from our retail partners, right? It's like people are discovering Amika. And so I joke with Chelsea and I tell Chelsea, you are the longest playing overnight success, right? Truly. Because people are starting to really understand it. Yeah, truly, truly. Because I don't know the exact year that they launched, but was it probably 10, 12 years ago? 2012. All right. almost got that right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's been a long play. Right. And now you're back and you're popping everywhere. So it's really, really cool to see that. And well-warranted from such a wonderful group of people who are incredibly passionate about the brand, certainly. I mean, I've known Chelsea for a few years as well, and and she's brilliant and as committed um, as they come to. So very lovely. Right. As we wrap up, um, you know, where where is Amika headed? Um, any new product innovations, category innovations, like what, what's next? Because I can imagine you've got a couple things up your sleeve. <laughs> Oh my God, we have so much coming. Um, um, and I always have to think, okay, what will Chelsea let me say? Um, yeah, right. <laughs> I, I think, you know, for for the listeners um, of the tease, uh, what I would say to you is the Amica that you have known is the Amica you will continue to know. Yeah. So you're not going to see us getting crazy and, you know, out of, out of our lane. You, um, we're really excited. We have a couple of new products coming in early 2024 okay. that are salon specific with services attached to them. Okay. Um, that is really exciting. And I think it's going to be an incredible new revenue source for hairdressers. 
Um, and it's going to be done in an Amica way. Um, right. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be disruptive. It's going to be appealing and consumer facing, but we really haven't done any service related innovation okay. in a while. So you're going to see us do that. Right. Um, you're going to see us continue to bring out, you know, some variations on our key franchises that I think is also going to appeal, um, to consumer and hairdressers. A lot of what you saw us do this year with Let's Get Clinical mm -hmm. um, and the pop-ups and the um, experiences on the consumer side, you're going to continue to see us doing that, yeah. but you're going to continue to see us doing that in other places Ooh. and for other audiences, mm. right? Um, so we're excited about that. And for the professionals, right? I know the trade shows have been a big deal, like people are in, people are out, et cetera. Yeah. That is our opportunity to connect with professionals. And so you're going to see us in a big way at trade shows. Right. Because come and see us. Come and see the new products. Come and meet the team. Come and talk to us. You're going to continue to see our signature duffels and bags, right? <laughs> so you're going to see us continuing to do those things, but you're going to continue to see us do those at an accelerated rate. All right. Well, we'll be here waiting in the sidelines to view those things. Cause I think we're going to pull you in on a lot of those, Kelly. Pull us in. We're here <laughs> for it. <laughs> Amazing. All right. Now we're going to round out with something we call the tease quick takes. If you are ready, I'm going to rapid fire you some questions Okay. just to get to know you a little bit more outside of the pro industry. Here we go. What was your first ever beauty product that you owned? That I owned. Dig back into lives. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my God, I was 10 or 11, and I think I bought a product, a Germac product. Ooh, Germac, that's a throwback. Mm. In my mom's salon. <laughs> you know, I'm still waiting for somebody to say the good old Aussie purple shampoo, like it hasn't happened yet. Like, remember, smell? Oh, totally. <laughs> All right, are you superstitious? And if so, about what? Um, I'm not really superstitious. Um, however, there are a couple of things that are kind of um, no goes for me. So like, um, I, I don't like to fly on a Wednesday. Oh, my goodness. Very specific. It's weird. I know. Noted. There's a whole story behind why that but I'll <laughs> never fly on a Wednesday. Okay. And I'm still I sometimes I'm kind of uh, obsessive compulsive. So like there's, if I see uh, checkered colored squares on tile, um, sometimes I find myself only stepping on the white ones. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Those are two pretty good ones. I mean, you're not telling me what would happen if you stepped on them. I mean, it's like step on a crack, break your mother's back sort of thing. Like, <laughs> but we don't need to go there. <laughs> All right. Who would play you in a biopic of your life? Oh my God. Who would I want to play me? Yes. Yes. Mario Lopez. Okay. Oh, I like that. That's a good one. All right. That didn't take you long to answer. I feel like you've thought about it. Well, when I <laughs> when I was the um, City of Hope recipient um, in 2013, yeah. Mario Lopez was the guest MC. I mean, come on. And I remember seeing pictures and people saying, oh my God, you guys could be cousins. I was like, yeah. I'll take that. I'll take that. All day, every day. <laughs> All right. What do you consider the ultimate comfort food? Oh my God. My mom's <laughs> recipe for refried mm -hmm. beans oh. and pizza. Okay. Wow. What, I mean, dare you say what's so special about the refried beans recipe? Oh my gosh. Do we need this in the show notes? Like, Yeah, absolutely. So they have to be pinto beans, not black beans. Okay. And when you cook them, you always add either a pork, um, a pork shank or you add bacon. Okay. That just gives the beans a great taste. And then when they get mashed, you have a lot of cheese. Okay. And you have to keep them in a pot that you reheat multiple times. <laughs> okay. Okay. So it's like a bean pot. Like it's got, that's the pot. Absolutely. I love that so much. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> it's my cover food. Do you have your own bean pot to like recreate the recipe at home? Okay. Like this is, this is the thing. Okay. Absolutely. Love it. All right. Last question. Say you're, you are on a deserted island and you can only bring three beauty products. What are you bringing? Oh, oh my <laughs> gosh. Okay. I'm bringing an SPF. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I am bringing a um, leave-in conditioner. Okay. 
and I'm bringing toothpaste. Okay, great. Great. Toothpaste was on my list too. Some people forget about the toothpaste. Exactly. It's a dessert island, but it didn't say how long it's going to be deserted. I mean, a ship could pull up and you're going to need to look ready. <laughs> exactly. I love it. All right, Ruben, tell everyone where they can follow you, the brands, like how can we get more information? Oh my gosh, I love it. So um, you can follow Amika at loveamika.com um, or Amika Pro on Instagram okay. um, or just Amika uh, from a consumer standpoint. Okay. You can follow, you can find me. I'm very, uh, I'm very hard to find. <laughs> Ruben Caraca on Instagram, uh, R-E-U-B-E-N and same thing on Facebook. Um, and I would also encourage folks to really go to Beauty Changes Lives um, and go to the Professional Beauty Association, which is probeauty.org. Awesome. If you go to probeauty.com, you're going to go to the Professional Bowling Association. <laughs> so <laughs> if you're a licensed professional, you should follow both of those because I think you're going to get not only a lot of information, but you may be tempted to also participate. Please do. Elevating the industry, one click, one view at a time. We need it all. That's right. Amazing. Well, Ruben, it was great to catch up with you. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. I adore you and I adore what you guys are doing. So thank you again for having me on. That means a lot. Thank you. All right. I mean, what a cool story, right? The heritage, the family lineage of stylists and what a career, what a goosebump. Goosebumps, hair sitting on the back of your neck career. Um, and he's done he's done the dang thing. And I love what he's doing at Amika and all the other brands. All right. Be sure to hit subscribe, rate, and review, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok. Read the tease and send in questions to volume up at thetease.com. Volume Up is a tease media production. This episode was produced by Monica Hickey and Madeline Hickey. Brian Dilly is our editor and audio engineer. Thank you to Josh Landowski and Nathan Folks for the custom volume up theme song. And thank you to our creative team for putting together the graphics for this episode.